The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to She Talks Health with Sophie Shepard. Today's woman has a lot of questions about their health and lifestyle choices. But where can you get the right answers? The answer is here and the time is now. Here is your host, Sophie Shepard. Welcome, ladies, to She Talks Health. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, and I am a functional nutrition practitioner, women's menstrual health coach, and I'm coming to you on the Health and Wellness Channel for Voice America, which is the largest live internet radio in the world. So hello to the U.S. and Canada, and a special shout-out to Australia for tuning in last week, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I'm so grateful that you guys tune in every week, and this one is going to be so much fun because I have a guest on that is a very good friend of mine, and we're going to get to talk about gut health, our favorite conversation (laughs) (laughs) So um, to introduce this person, I'll just back up really quickly to say, why do I love talking about gut health? I mean, personally, I've been dealing with my own gut health issues for a long time, and I'm sure we'll talk about that today. But also every woman in my practice who comes to see me for their messed up periods or PCOS or endometriosis have a, has a pretty messed up gut, whether they realize it or not. Um, I've seen this correlation time and time again. And something that I've seen so often, and even in myself, was just that we as women, I think we, we put up with a lot. You know, we don't realize that constipation is a big idea. We don't realize, a big problem. We don't realize that acid reflux is an issue. And so my guest today and I are going to talk about all things related to the gut, how it works, and why these things are big issues, what they lead to, um, and what you can do about it. So welcome to the show, Kim K. Hey, girl. Hey, so Kim (laughs) is going to do a much better job of introducing herself than I am. But look, Kim is like a fierce warrior. I don't even know. I mean, it's so funny because I have her bio in front of me and I'll just say it like doesn't even come close to all the things that are amazing about Kim. But she was born with a syndrome that I can't pronounce that she'll tell you about. Um, It's (laughs) a genetic connective tissue disorder, which causes gut dysmotility and cardiac abnormalities, immune system dysfunction, and central nervous system issues. So she has literally suffered through periods of organ failure, autoimmune disease, and life-threatening infections since Reagan was president. Um, And when I met Kim through my boyfriend in 2017, she was actually admitted to Cleveland Clinic's um, chronic pain rehab program and quite literally was um, on the verge of, of death. I mean, we were like donating to her Kickstarter. It was, it was crazy. And ever since then, she came back to life, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> and she has put herself through school and um, does fun- similar work to what I do um, and now gets to spread the good word. So um, I butchered your introduction, Kim, because I love you so much and words don't even explain how amazing you are. Um, can you tell people a little bit more about this rare disorder you had, how it relates to gut health and autoimmunity and kind of where you've come from to get to a place where you're able to help other people now. I'm so happy to. You didn't butcher anything, by the way. But um, (laughs) yes, uh, I have a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, 
not super fun to learn to pronounce, uh, not, not even fun to tell people because they're like, what? But um, Ehlers-Danlos is, is interesting. Um, connective tissue, your entire body's made out of it. So, so when you have a connective tissue disorder, it can manifest a lot of different ways. And there's, um, there's about 13 subsets of Ehlers-Danlos, and I fall into the category that's hypermobile and and collagen related which means that all of the stuff that is in my body that's made out of collagen and connective tissue especially stuff like uh, the myelin sheath that wraps around nerves and protects them so that nerves can work really well and my intestines they're too stretchy they're too thin they pull apart really easily um, and so that leads to uh, you know a whole host of health problems like the ones that you've listed and um, Like a lot of genetic diseases, um, EDS is something where, depending on the severity of it, you sort of have long periods of in your life of normalcy. In part because of hormones, when you're young and your human growth hormone is really high, the human growth hormone helps your body repair the damage that is the problem of, of that disorder really quickly. But then, as you get older and your body switches over into like, hey, what if we have babies instead of like make you grow more? it doesn't have that super medicine to help it, it, it come back together. And so uh, around your 20s and 30s, you start to fall apart. And um, <laughs> that's what happened to me. Um, that's around the time we met when, when I was trying to get a proper diagnosis and um, starting to figure out what the rest of my life was going to look like with this illness. Does that cover it pretty well? Yeah, it, it really does. And it's it's kind of an interesting, I like how you, you brought in, you know, the superpower that is our body, especially as we're growing as kids, you know, we, we have different hormones and different mechanisms that are at play. And this is interesting too, for anyone who's, who was listening last week to the PCOS conversation I had with Dr. Gersh, you know, we were talking about how genetics play, you know, a huge role in things like PCOS and any, you know, genetic related disease. But as our body changes or as our environment changes, things can get turned on. And all of a sudden you're like, what, what happened to me? <laughs> you know, I was fine. And now I'm, you know, kind of dealing with this crippling illness. So yeah, your, your story is just absolutely amazing. And I know you, you ended up, you were, you were told that you would never really be able to survive this. You were told all sorts of crazy, scary things. So how did you come out of that um, and into like functional medicine and functional nutrition? So I got really lucky. Uh, I I wouldn't say that genetically I got lucky. This has not been the lottery win that I thought it was. I thought I would be very, very tall and amazingly attractive, and that did not work out. (laughs) But um, but what did happen is that, um, so I I ended up manifesting the version of this that causes uh, gut paralysis, where your, your intestines are so overly stretchy and your nerves are so damage that you stop being able to sustain normal peristalsis through the uh, peristalsis for people who are not gut nerds, meaning the squeezing of, of food by the muscles in your gut so that it moves through your digestive system at the right time. And so my belly stopped being able to do that. And um, at that point, I was sent to Cleveland Clinic because there's only a few hospitals in the country that know what to do when, when people's guts stop working. Um, they were able to figure out that, okay, she does have dysmotility. And then we had to look at some really, really scary options about how I was going to treat it. And um, at this time, I was on a feeding tube. Um, I had to do the type of feeding tube that bypasses 
your digestive tract entirely because it wasn't moving at all at that time. And so I was put on something called TPN, which is um, total parenteral nutrition, which means they feed you through your heart. You get a port put in your chest and you're fed uh, a sugar and a, a fat solution through your heart. Um, which is, you know, not ideal, not Tasty, the best way to eat. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel great. Living with a tube in your heart is something that you um, that you never get used to it. But um, And so at this time, they were sort of saying, look, your options are you're going to be on this feeding tube um, for the rest of your life, or we can do a total gut transplant surgery and drop five or six new organs into your stomach and see if they work. But to me, at that time, the, the mortality rates for that surgery, one, weren't great. And it also, to me, at that time, sounded like you're talking about a nervous system issue, but you want to fix it by dropping new organs into me, which won't fix the nervous system issue. And so I, I felt very skeptical and very worried about that. And because of those concerns, um, I did one consult with the functional medicine department at Cleveland Clinic that a lot of doctors were like, this is a waste of time. They're not going to be able to do anything for you. They're just going to prescribe you a lot of supplements. And that's, that wasn't the experience that I had. When I went to functional medicine, they said, look, you, you have a nervous system disease. So let's look at all of the ways we can treat the nervous system and the gut, not invasively, uh, and see if we use some of these techniques to rebalance your body if your gut starts to work again. Um, and that's how I got into the, the chronic pain rehabilitation program at Cleveland Clinic is a subset of their functional medicine department. Um, and so that was a 30-day program where I lived inpatient and we did everything. I, I started trickle feeding, which is where you, you eat uh, like a tablespoon or two of broth at a time just to introduce to your, your gut, like, I'm going to put food in here. Let's see what, how you Let's see how you handle it. Um, but they also do a lot of stuff with using movement to stimulate the nervous system, regulating hormones and stress hormones through breathing exercises, light exposure, temperature changes. And I was one of the people who responded well to that stuff. And so I started to get function back. And through that, the, the short version is I started being able to eat again. And when I started being able to eat again and the feeding tube came out, we were able to start to examine what had happened in my gut in the years leading up to gut failure that had contributed to that um, and found out that I had had, you know, parasitic infections because of low immune function, that I had had SIBO for a really long time that had caused a lot of problems and that there were lots of little things that were happening inside my belly invisibly and we started to deal with them and I got more and more function back. So I still have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome today. I'm going to have it for the rest of my life because it's, it's not an illness with a cure. It's a condition you're born with. So it's, you just live a little bit differently than other people. And on the other side of that, I was like, I want to do what you guys do. I, I want to help other people and other women. EDS is something that primarily pops up in women. And because it pops up without visible symptoms, all of the symptoms are on the inside. It takes the average EDS patient anywhere between 15 and 20 years to get a correct diagnosis, um, which is a lot of time to be misdiagnosed. And I sort of felt like, you know, this amazing fundraiser was done to give me access to medical care. The way I can pay that generosity back is to do work that helps other women perhaps get their diagnosis within five years instead of 20 or live with their illness um, without 
feeling like they have low quality of life. And so that's why uh, I, I became a functional medicine health coach and I'm working on some additional certifications after that. Um, but yeah, that's my life now. I'm a gut nerd. Hi. <laughs> Kim, your your personality is amazing. I know we joke around so much around you know your your just mobility and and motility and all these things that you've dealt with. But um, truly, it's amazing to hear the stories yet again. And I know this is like the abbreviated version. Um, and we're so lucky to have you um, in our lives and to be able to do this work. I'm so like so grateful I'm getting chills thinking about all that you've been through and the fact that you're like sitting here on the other end of it looking beautiful and <laughs> able to like talk to us about this stuff um it's just it's amazing and it's what I what I really wanted to pull out of what you just said so that's relatable as well to anyone who doesn't have this um this issue is you know, what Kim said worked for her. And obviously there were, there were many medications. I believe she was on 20 medications and came down to three and things like this. Um, and I don't want to uh, like underplay that. That's huge. But also what's interesting is that what worked for her was this kind of idea of, hey, you know what? Like I'm not gonna, it, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, an organ, a six organ transplant was a Band-Aid. It was, you know, like in functional right. medicine, we talk a lot about finding the root cause and not symptom treating because when you symptom treat, you are, the, the real issue can be far removed from the symptom you're displaying. And in Kim's case, she had the, the, the balls, the ovaries to say, hey, you know what, um, I, don't, I'm, I really want to investigate this. It doesn't make sense. I have a nervous system issue. Why aren't we dealing with the nervous system? And then the second part of that that I find so amazing and stuff that we like to just kind of pass over is we want like a supplement, we want a medication, we want, you know, even like a fitness class to make us feel better. And then huge parts of your healing, we're dealing with like the trauma and the anxiety and the nervous system issues so that you could regain function. So can you talk a little bit about how you now um, interweave that into what you do? You know, I just would love, I think we, we talked about this recently how how the nervous system plays into the gut health how your brain and your gut are connected and could you talk a little bit more about that because I think there's a lot of anxiety happening in the world right now and probably more people are having gut issues now than they ever have before oh my god uh first of all I'm one of them I had a flare of some of my gut symptoms the last couple of weeks when I hadn't had a flare in like a year because and I, I didn't have to freak out about it because I could look at the world around me and be like this is all a really rational response to the level of stress that we're all living through right now but yeah um so when people look at a, a chart or an image of, of the human body and the organs, I think it's pretty easy to see that when you look at the human brain and then you scan down and you look at the intestines, they do look kind of similar. They're not shaped exactly the same. They have different purposes, but they share a lot of similarities and they are wired directly to each other with this amazing interstate superhighway called the vagus nerve, which is the longest cranial nerve in your whole body, and its whole job, uh, I, actually I should not say that, it has many jobs, but one of the primary jobs of the vagus nerve is to connect these organ systems, your brain, your heart, your lungs, and your gut, all to each other so that they're functioning together and they're talking to each other. And when you are experiencing gut issues, frequently there's, uh, you know, there's, there might be an internal issue 
like, you know, hey, my small intestine has a dysbiotic amount of the wrong bacteria in it, not enough of the good bacteria. That's, that's our SIBO diagnosis. But a lot of times, especially people who are dealing with IBS and the early stages of Crohn's, when, when their Crohn's and their colitis is, is still in the mild to moderate, there's an issue inside the gut and then an issue with how the gut and the brain are talking to each other. Um, it's almost like they have a bad internet connection. And so that, that highway is like starting to degrade. Um, and the, the gut is wired to a lot of other stuff as well. So you know as a hormone person, like how much thyroid plays into gut function. If you have low thyroid, you're likely to be constipated and have slow motility. If you have hyperthyroid, anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, um, let's, pa let's pause there for a second and just... Uh uh, reflect that I think, you know, <laughs> we're talking about a lot of organ systems here that are connected, yes. right? We think people think the gut and they're like, oh yeah, like my stomach, right? But now we're thinking, wait, the brain is connected to the gut, is connected to the cardiovascular system, is like, there's so what? much going on here. Um, so, so, okay, so we've covered that the gut is connected to the brain through the vagus nerve, which is the super highway. And that, I guess what goes on in your brain goes on in your gut and what goes on in your gut goes on in your brain, right? There's this like gut brain access. Yes. And that exactly. affects your, your moods as well. Your moods, your sleep cycles. Uh, and, and then there's, you know, there's all these other little offshoots of that when your gut and your, your brain aren't communicating well, sometimes you're going to manifest obvious gut symptoms, but other times... It, it will manifest more subtly in ways that are a lot harder to track. So we're talking about immune dysfunction that doesn't quite make sense. You'll run an immune panel on somebody and they won't have any obvious inflammation or any obvious issues with like their white or their NK, uh, NK you know, killer cell counts, anything like that. But the immune system's not functioning optimally. Um, some people have skin problems. Some people have issues regulating their hormones and they can't figure out why they're doing everything right they're seed cycling they're eating clean they're meditating and one of the reasons that they're, they're not able to click over into that next level of healing is because the gut is communicating poorly with these other organ systems and i will pause you again there too for for ladies who are listening who are in that camp so i just had a client who came to me with debilitating uh periods like she she vomits every time she gets her cycle she you know nauseous um super super painful heavy cycles and um you know we we looked of course you know you instinctively want to look at her hormones but hormones don't just go awry on their own usually there is an infection of some sort there's heavy metals there's mold there's um, stress, there's nutrition, nu nutrient deficiencies, there's, there's something going on. And so when we took a look at her GI maps, her gut test, her stool test, girl had a parasite, bacterial overgrowth, like low immune function, all these things. And when we looked at yep. her hormones, they were fine. Her hormones were okay. <laughs> and you know, it was like so funny because I think a lot of the listeners probably can relate to this because you're on Instagram and whatever, and you're seeing, oh, okay, like that, that I, estrogen dominance. Okay. Yeah. Like that sounds like me. That, that must be what I have. I'm just going to take like the supplement that deals with like estrogen dominance. And right. like, please don't do that. Please. If you're listening to this, <laughs> please don't do that because things can, you can make it worse. And what Kim is saying here is that, you know, the, the, the issue could start in the gut, uh, in the small intestine or in other parts of the, the digestive tract, which we'll talk about next, all those pieces, um, but it could manifest very, very differently. So, okay, so we've covered skin, we've covered mood, and we've covered hormones. Are there any other 
like random things people could be dealing with that could be actually correlated all the way back to the gut? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, uh, mood being, you know, definitely part of that, but I want to pinpoint um, depression and anxiety symptoms as being a, a really like, I work with so many people who've been told you have anxiety disorder, you have um, panic disorder, you, you have, di you know, they're on psych medications. And actually, when we test their guts and we see what's going on in there, if they're really out of whack and we correct the imbalance, they don't need psych meds anymore. They don't need benzodiazepines. It turns out they never actually had a psychological disorder at all. They just had a, a belly that was so messed up that their brain and their belly couldn't uh, speak well with each other. Um, and also, obviously, um, there are issues with uh, gut health and your fertility. So, you know, obviously, I think that connects with the hormone conversation, but for sure, like, this is a whole body system and a lot of the problems we we're, we're not necessarily think no one's like, Oh, I'm not getting pregnant. I guess my gut might be out. Like that's not a connection that anybody, it, anybody, it's definitely part of the conversation. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I actually recently was asked to be a speaker at the unexplained infertility summit, uh, last month. And I was, I was asked to speak specifically around this gut hormone connection and how it relates to infertility. And I had so many, I had so many people reach out to me afterwards, just so shocked that they thought, mm. oh my gosh, I've always had gut issues and I never thought, you know, I've paid so much money for IVF and all these things and I never thought that it was about the gut. And the issue with this, you, like, you guys who are listening, is if we don't deal with the gut first, our body, as you can see, is not healthy. And when our body is not healthy and it's under this place of stress, it's very hard for us to procreate. It's very hard for us to do anything that's regenerative. Regenerative. We have to. We have to really imagine that our body's in this catabolic kind of breakdown mode when when our gut and other things like that internally are causing so much stress on the on the whole system, as Kim says. You know, it's 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 all connected. It's fascinating. Amazing. It's such a good point, and, and uh, I, I love that you're you're highlighting for people that. You know, I, I like to talk to people like, oh, my God, why are you always talking about the gut enough about the gut? The intestines are gross. And I'm like, yes, they are a little bit gross. However, um, I, I like to talk to my clients about it as, you know, especially when I'm dealing with clients who have been doing everything right. I'm sure you see this like all the time that there are people who, oh, my God, they are just the best at healing, but they're not healing. So they've been eating clean. They've been taking the supplements. They exercise. They, they don't drink alcohol like they're. They're doing stuff that's really, really good and they can't improve. And I explain that to them is if, if we've skipped the gut, what we've, we've done is we got the best fertilizer, we got the most awesome seeds, we built the prettiest garden, and then we filled the garden with sand and planted everything in soil that is not fertile and will not allow anything to grow. And so if your gut is filled with sand, all of the really cool seeds and garden gnomes in the world are never going to do it for you. You're not going to get the garden you want. Oh, that is the best analogy I've ever heard because, yes, I mean, how often do you get somebody in your practice who's like, well, I tried this probiotic I found on Instagram and it didn't really work, so I guess probiotics don't work. It's like, well, they do work, but they're just <laughs> one singular part of the puzzle that have to be put in at the right time after you 
not filled your garden with sand. <laughs> right, right. Is there sand in your garden? Okay, let's go back and talk yes. about that first. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, so do we miss any other? I mean, it's really the symptoms are, are wide ranging. I don't even know that we could list all the things out. But I think you guys are getting the picture. You know, it's um, this, this stuff can show up really anywhere in the body. Um, I think it would be great to to understand you know, we're about to, we're probably going to take a break in about five minutes, but why don't we talk about kind of the other uh, organ systems that are related? You know, a lot of people don't realize all the organs that are at play in, in terms of the gut. And then when we come back from the break, we can talk about what all of this leads to and what people can do to kind of get out of this dysfunction. So could you explain like what happens when like optimally, if you were going to digest food? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So in a perfect world, when everything's going great, you chew your food, you produce saliva, that saliva has enzymes in it that start pre-digesting your food, even as you're chewing it, you swallow it, your nervous system knows exactly where to send it, it goes down the esophagus, it chills in the stomach for a little bit, your stomach acid starts to break it down, uh, and then it slowly moves its way into the small intestine, where it weaves around this crazy roller coaster of organs and uh, absorbs nutrients. Absor uh, your absorption happens in the small intestine, so you need it. It's a very important piece of the gut. Um, and you do all of your, your primary absorption of your nutrients and your fluids in the small intestine. And then the leftover stuff that you don't need gets passed into the colon, and the colon is, I think the scientific term is the poop chute. I, I think that's what scientists call it, and it just slides on through there, and, and you get rid of the stuff that you didn't need from your food. Uh, playing a role in all that is the liver, so the liver is going to create bile, which is going to help you break down your food. Um, the liver being a very important organ in hormone health, so it, it, it definitely matters. Liver health matters and gut and hormone health for a reason. Um, also, the pancreas is where some of the enzymes that help break down food, so it actually becomes small enough to pass out of your body and can be absorbed, is happening as well. And then the, uh, the appendix is in the mix, too. We obviously didn't know this, like, years ago when we were just pulling appendixes out, like, willy-nilly, but the appendix is actually uh, this little, it's like a little, um, like, a trailer where some good bacteria, some excess good bacteria uh, chills out and, and can kind of make its way into your digestive tract. It's like a storage facility for probiotics you were born with. Um, and that's why some people who have had their appendix taken out get post-operative gut issues that they, they didn't expect um, that they would get. And so that's kind of like your, your, your basic, uh, basic tour of what's happening inside. When we talk about the gut, we're never talking about just the stomach. We're talking about the stomach and everything beneath it all the way out of your body. Absolutely. That was such a great explanation. And one thing that um, I didn't hear you mention that I want to make sure we talk about is the other organ that gets removed way too often is the gallbladder. Gallbladder, so yes. How does that play in and why is it um, why is it a problem when people get it removed? The gallbladder, it, it produces substances that are so important for breaking down fats, especially, and some of the more dense, heavy, protein-heavy foods. So, you know, the, the gallbladder is also something, I think we'll talk about this later, it gets assaulted by how we live in, in industrialized countries like the United States and Canada, especially. Australia, shout out, y'all's gallbladders are getting hit pretty hard, too. Sorry. Um 
But it's, um, you know, when you pull this thing out, it's almost like pulling an entire section, an entire department of this digestive factory out. And so all of a sudden, this department in the factory that was supposed to be helping you break down some of the hardest stuff, it's not, it's not there anymore. And so there's way more work for the rest of your digestive system to do. And it doesn't always like that because its pay does not get increased. <laughs> I love these analogies. You're, this is so much fun because obviously I work a lot with the gut and it's, it's fun to hear your explanations. Um, okay, great. So um, we will take a break here. We've been talking with Kim Kay, functional medicine health coach who specializes in supporting women with their gut health and also with some trauma things. We haven't even been able to talk about that. But when we come back, we'll dive into kind of the top seven things that are common in American life that cause so many issues downstream to our gut. And, and then forward into more chronic disease. We'll talk about how functional nutrition and medicine play a role, what can go wrong, and what you can do about it so that you guys have an action plan forward to take back control over your gut health. So this is Sophie Shepard, and we'll be back right after the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Sophie Shepard is a functional nutrition practitioner and founder of She. Sophie helps busy women all over the world go from hormonal chaos to optimal hormonal alignment so they can live their lives fully without being held back by their bodies. Using the power of functional lab testing combined with life-changing mindset shifts and integrating the entire body's system. If the only thing holding you back is your health, it's time to stop letting hormonal chaos run your world. Book your health discovery call today by going to SheTalksHealth.com. Are you done medicating and guessing your way through the exhaustion, pain, and irritability caused by hormonal and digestive health issues? Sophie Shepard, founder of She, will help you go from symptom-ridden and confused to finally having clarity about how your hormones work and confidence in your health strategy in just 10 days. If you are ready to stop living with no energy, brain fog, anxiety, digestive issues, and painful periods, then check out the 10-Day Digestive and Hormone Reboot at SheTalksHealth.com. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. You are listening to She Talks Health. If you have a question or comment about the show... Send an email to sophie at she-nyc.com. That's sophie at she-nyc.com. Now back to She Talks Health. Welcome back, ladies. This is Sophie Shepard, your host for She Talks Health. And today I have Kim Kay, who is a dear friend of mine and also a functional medicine health coach, just like me. And we are talking all things gut. If you missed the first half of the show, we talked a lot about Kim's uh, story, which is absolutely amazing, how she was dealt not a great hand genetically and was near death multiple times, but came back fiercer than ever to learn functional medicine and to teach women about their gut and how it works. And we talked a bit about how all of that works, all the organ systems that are at play, the symptoms that are associated with gut health, 
and many more things. So go check out the first half if you haven't checked it out. And now we're going to go into how uh, gut uh, and functional medicine and functional nutrition work together, what can go wrong, what we can do about it, and how we can kind of take back our health. So Kim, welcome back to the show. Hello. Happy to still be here. Yes, me too. We're having so much fun. So, okay, before the show we were talking, or before the break, we were talking about all the organ systems, the gallbladder, the pancreas, the liver. So this is a lot of organ systems, and things could really go wrong in almost every part of this process, right? So, yep. yeah, so what are the most common things um, that you see go wrong with your clients now? I think for me, I would just answer that I see SIBO a lot. I see, you know, I see a lot of H. pylori. Um, I see a lot of candida. I see a lot of these issues. And if you could explain um, how functional medicine practitioners and nutrition practitioners like us look at when something goes wrong. For example, if someone has, um, if someone has H. pylori, what are the downstream effects of that? Like, how could that affect many more issues, like with stomach acid, neurotransmitters, and all of that? Could you explain some of that so people can really wrap their head around how we think about this stuff? Yes, totally. So, you know, when, when we're talking about little tiny microorganisms like, you know, Enterococcus or H. pylori or, or stuff that lives in your gut, it's easy to sound like it's just little, little stuff and, and a chemistry set, but like... Uh, it, it's, I wish it were that easy. Then we could just like fill some test tubes and call it a day. But no, it's, it's not, that's not it. Um, uh, so in my practice, obviously, I, I see a fair amount of H. pylori. Um, I definitely see um, a lot of SIBO. And because I live in the South, I, I live all the way down in New Orleans, which is on the Gulf Coast, which means it never really gets cold here. So what I see a lot more of than people in the Northeast do is parasites. We have a, a parasite issue down here that, that's pretty, anyone who lives in the tropics can tell you like, hey, parasites are a thing down here. So when we start to deal with this, um, this dysbiosis that happens when you get like a big guy pathogen, like, you know, H. pylori in there or like a, like a hookworm or something like that is... Um, when I'm trying to explain it to my clients, I, I explain that there's sort of like um, a nefarious gang that moves into a nice neighborhood. Like first, it might just be one or two sketchy characters and like maybe you don't feel great. But then as they bring more and more of their friends in, like violence erupts, there might be graffiti, there might be like, you know, uh, there might be shady drug deals happening on the corner of your small intestine. But and it's it's a silly way to explain it, but it is to try and paint a picture that it's a gradual thing. The pathogen gets in there, it kind of chills for a while. You're probably not gonna know that you have it until it's invited a whole lot of its friends or its family members in. And what happens is it starts to crowd out all of your good bacteria, your good fungus, your good yeasts that help you break down your food, um, the bacteria that produces butyrate, which is that lovely chemical which helps seals your, your gut tissues up so that they stay nice and tight and functioning, all that stuff its food is being eaten by something bigger and stronger. And sometimes it's being crowded out to the point where it, it can't survive. So obviously we, we, you mentioned low stomach acid, that can be part of it. Sometimes it's low stomach acid that then backswings into the body trying to compensate for that low stomach acid by way overproducing acid. And then you start to get some of these erosions in the esophagus or people who have chronic GERD and heartburn. Then they take a PPI to try and suppress the acid, which makes the acid even lower, which makes 
when you have low stomach acid uh, and when you're medicating yourself to have low stomach acid because you think the acid is the problem instead of the pathogen causing the change in the acid, you actually, a, your belly needs to have acid in it. Otherwise, it can't kill some of these pathogens. So the more we treat uh, our, our acid-related issues by using PPIs or things that suppress acid production, the more we create an environment in which bad guys thrive and good bacteria don't even have a shot. Uh, does that, am I answering that? Yes. Clearly? Yeah, you, you are. And I'll just summarize because this is what I'm currently going through. So I've been through all my own host of GI issues, which I won't bore you with today. But, <laughs> you know, recently, as in I think probably the last five years, we've had the ability to screen for things like H. pylori. Um, and this particular bacteria changes your stomach acid, which is supposed to be acidic, like Kim said, so that you can break down um, protein, but also so you can keep out foods, uh, sorry, parasites. Um, my brain is like not connected to my body today. Um, so you can keep out parasites so that they, cause the thing is you guys, we, we come in contact with this stuff. It's not that like, you know, someone is dirty or bad because they have a parasite. We all can come in contact with it. It's just our, our resiliency of our gut and how well it's functioning can help us big time in keeping this stuff out. So this kind of leads us into what are some of the things that people are doing unknowingly that are causing people to have things like H. pylori and have things like parasites and bacteria and gut dysfunction like this. I mean, it's such a big issue for people. So what are we doing wrong? Oh, boy. Um, gosh, that's that's such a long answer, but I'll try and uh, make it as quick as I can. You know, it. It's a shame. Um, in the United States, especially, we've focused so much on convenience, speed, and more, 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 and we've lost track of quality, and we've lost track of, of being in connection with foods and with healing modalities in, in their whole state. So like you said earlier, we want to grab a pill and have it within 20 minutes mean that our symptoms are gone, and we just want to never think about it again and move on. And so... When we're, when we're trying to navigate this world that's about, like, you have to produce, you have to work really hard, you have to eat fast and keep going, you don't have time to take care of yourself, we start using lots of little shortcuts to make our life feel good and our bodies feel good. And over time, those shortcuts create sand in your garden instead of fertile <laughs> soil in your garden. And um, I have a list of some of those things. Would you like me to launch into that list? Yeah, let's talk about briefly, because people might not realize what are the things that they're doing, you know, just from, I mean, I know one of them for sure is like the biggest one I always say is we're not chewing our food. I mean, we Ugh. are literally, we're so stressed out. I mean, I know everyone who's listening has at least once, maybe 400 million times, ate food in front of the computer while they're stressed out reading an email from their boss. So <laughs> there yeah. are little, just little things like not preparing our bodies for the intake of nutrients, which is what eating is, that causes downstream effects. But yes, please, please launch into some of the things that people could be doing on a daily basis that could be really impairing them. First, I love that you you led with that one. That one's not on my list because it's on my extended list, which is much too long for just an hour long podcast. Um, but oh my God, you're so right. And I cannot tell you how many men in my life like to eat standing over the sink, using their hand like a shovel, and they just jam the whole thing in their mouth and they chew it like three times and they swan. I'm like, no, that's not how you're supposed to do that. 
Um, and I'm guilty of it also. You know, I, I'll make myself a meal sometimes. I'll throw on something on TV, something upsetting or really troubling will come on. And there I am eating and watching something that is upsetting me at the exact same time when there is no way you can digest and assimilate nutrients when you're upset. Your, your gut it, it, it has two settings, rest and digest and fight or flight. And during fight or flight, it's like, we're not going to do anything because the brain and the body needs to focus on getting away from the threat. It's only when it's in rest and digest, is it like, hey, why don't we turn some food into some muscles and some nutrients? Like, um, yeah. And, and, the side- and just to link it back to what you said earlier, so people can really see the full picture, Kim explained how the pancreas and the gallbladder and the stomach acid all play a role in you digesting food. So when you're in that fight or flight because you're watching the news about COVID or Black Lives Matter or something else that's really upsetting, you literally, if you're, if you're freaked out, if you're in that freeze or you're in that fight or you're in that flight place, your stomach acid doesn't get released. Your pancreas, your pancreatic enzymes don't get released. And so that's what Kim's talking about. Like all these organs systems play a role in you digesting food. And when you are are under stress, like most of us are right now, and always, uh, it's very hard for for us to digest food because those organs don't work optimally. So this is like a huge, huge thing that I think is often overlooked. And we we go to like, oh, I'm going to take this probiotic before we've even realized, okay, well, I haven't chewed my food and I'm eating in a super stressful state. So that's a big one. But what else? <laughs> what else? Yes. So so on top of that is um, so one of the one of the primary offenders, uh, especially in the United States and Canada, where a lot of us are working with Western medicine docs um, who like I love Western medicine. I think an antibiotic when you have a terrible septic infection is probably one of the best things ever invented in human history. But absolutely we can overdo it. And we have in the past overdone it. Um, So prescription drugs and over-the-counter drugs that seem really common, really a a very normalized part of our life. We keep them in our desk. They're in everybody's home medicine cabinet. There's a lot of them that are actually really quite bad for your belly and your gut function. And this, uh, I break them down into three categories, which are antibiotics, which you're going to get from your doctor. And that's your your Z-Packs, your amoxicillin, your Flagyl, your Cipro, um, your Pro. Proton pump inhibitors, PPIs, so like Nexium, um, Prevacid, Protonix, um, and then NSAIDs, uh, your non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, Advil, Naproxen, Aleve. Uh, these all do microbiome damage, and they can all contribute to intestinal permeability. These little holes or or breaking apart of the tight junctions of the intestines, which causes causes all kinds of problems. And I mean, I remember struggling with brutal periods my entire teen years and twenties, and I would just walk over to the family cabinet, grab four Advil, pop them in my mouth, and then do it again, literally every six hours for the entire week that I had my period, having no idea that this was not something good for my belly, that this was actually a thing that was going to kill good bacteria, possibly create ulcers and, and create a really inflamed uh, internal condition for, for my garden. Um, Absolutely. And and I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say that's, that's kind of like my first thing on the list that I, I ask people like, are these pills a, a really common part of your life? It is the way you solve problems going to that? And don't be mad at yourself if you do. You've been told by commercials, your doctor, magazines, everything that like, hey, you got heartburn, just pop the pill. You got a little ear infection, just pop the pill. There's no consequences, right? But there are. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, all I was going to add was, you know, you, you mentioned having a really horrible period and, and, and NSAIDs and I see that a lot, but also I'm totally the, the case of the proton pump inhibitor. I mean, I was told I had IBS at age 16 after doing endoscopies and colonoscopies and things that 16 year olds should never have to do. Right. And then, you know, basically there was no smoking gun. So I was diagnosed with IBS and they basically said, you know, you've got to lower your stomach acid by taking proton pump inhibitors. And we just talked about why that's not a great idea. You know, years later, basically finding out that I have leaky gut, Hashimoto's, SIBO, and big surprise, H. pylori and candida, <laughs> you know. So it's like, you know, I see it's just interesting how I'm still dealing with uncovering things that from early on in life, basically taking these medications that, uh, and many other things, it's not just medications, but many other things that have caused kind of long, long uh, term issues so okay so we covered the the stress we covered um chewing your food and we covered you know basically medications can Im impact the gut what what else is on your list on your sh on your short list <laughs> sure so it pains me greatly but i have to put alcohol on my list because it only takes one ounce of alcohol to start to disrupt the integrity of the small intestine and those tight junctions so if you're somebody dealing with leaky gut um, alcohol is not your friend and I love a delicious glass of wine as much as anybody else but people who have consistent or persistent gut problems or health problems that are connected to that do need to be really thoughtful about their alcohol consumption I'm not somebody who's like hey for the rest of your life you have to be a teetotaler but binge drinking blows the belly apart and it's a really common thing for a lot of us in our teens and 20s and so you know at least in my practice i see a fair number of women coming in with really bad gut problems and they can't they know they have gut problems but they're not able to pinpoint when it started and it doesn't look in their medical history like they ever had an infection or a surgery they didn't travel abroad and contract some sort of infect you know it's hard and then i'll go hey, did you ever go through that phase in college where you just like binge drank like a crazy person? They'll be like, yeah, that was so dumb. And then we go, ah, this could have been the beginning. This could have been the genesis of it. And if you didn't have someone to guide you through healing the gut after a period of partying or, or binge drinking, you might walk around with the consequences of that for as long as a decade before you're like, oh, I have a very serious problem. Um, so alcohol is on the list. Absolutely. Um, and... My my next my next big offenders also pains me because my father is a baker and a pastry chef, so this is very hard for me. But um, gluten, grains, and glyphosate tainted foods. Now, now let me just clarify that that gluten and grains will not be a problem for every person. Some people have robustly populated guts. They have great genetics. They come from family lineages where their ancestors were eating a ton of pulses or grains, and they're really great at breaking down fiber and these, these really sharp, fibrous outer hulls of grains. Other people just don't uh, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes it's just, hey, my gut got disrupted when I was young because I had a lot of ear infections and I was always on antibiotics, and now I'm not great at breaking stuff down. But the, the glyphosate tainting of foods and your, your primary glyphosate tainted foods, especially in the United States, being stuff like oats, corn, um, you know, even some kinds of rices that are not organic or non-GMO. Glyphosate is an antibiotic um, and it has antimicrobial effects. That's why it's, it's great for helping plants not get eaten and destroyed by organisms that eat plants. But when you're ingesting 
foods covered in glyphosate, you can start to upset the balance in your gut the same way as if you were taking, say, amoxicillin or a Z-Pak all of the time. And so some people will always struggle with uh, gluten because of a genetic predisposition. Some people will study, uh, struggle with gluten or grains simply because of the quality of it. Uh, we don't see the same problems in, say, Italy or Greece where they're using like these organic heritage grains that are about a bajillion years old and they're like very protective of it. And so we see a different gluten sensitivity in the United States and Canada than we do sometimes in areas that use uh, less aggressive yeast is what bakers call it, um, which makes me laugh. It makes it sound like yeast is running around trying to fight people. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that's, that's really good. And I know it's a hard one for people to hear and, you know, this doesn't mean that you, like Kim said, you might be fine. You might not have an issue with gluten. That's why Kim and I are big fans of testing, not guessing, or removing it for a certain amount of time and seeing how you feel. Um, but oats and corn and rice are another one that are, it's very individual. And some people, like, you know, I can do gluten-free oats and, and like, you know, but I, I really try to limit it. And I really try to, like, listen to my body and how it does. And, you know, it, it And also, like, there were times in my life where I had to remove all of this stuff, I mean, and do, like, a true autoimmune paleo elimination diet for three months where it just basically needed to be a reset after taking proton pump inhibitors, birth control, NSAIDs, antibiotics, um, partying, like, you know, it was whatever date it was in history, (laughs) partying like crazy because I was a theater nerd and so, like, and eating all the gluten and all the other things. So, you know, sometimes we need, like, a hard reset, um, which maybe we can talk about if we have time today. But are there any other, like, top offenders that you have on your list that people should look out for? Yes, ma'am. Uh, the remaining ones are, so your environmental toxins, and I put both mycotoxins like mold um, and tainted water. Living in Louisiana the way I do, we struggle with heavy metals and also pathogens in our water, water quite a bit down here. So if you're somebody who lives in an area that has bad water, I mean, water, you're drinking it all day long, you're, you're washing your <clears throat> vegetables off in it, you're bathing in it. If you are around bad water, it's definitely going to affect your gut at some point. Um, and then the other ones being poor quality sleep, your rest and digest setting. People who are like, oh, I only need three hours of sleep. I'm crushing it. I'm like, perhaps. No. <laughs> Perhaps it feels that way, but that's not actually true. Your belly needs sustained sleep and that deep REM sleep to repair damage that it's going to take every day. Um, And then the final one is, you you just mentioned it, oral contraceptives. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, birth control pill has the ability to induce Crohn's disease in some female patients. And so I always check people out for that when they're coming to me saying, hey, I have Crohn's or I have Crohn's-like symptoms, um, I always go back in their history and try and see if they were eating hormones because, wow, dumping hormones into your intestines is a great way to make that system, which produces all kinds of chemicals and substances like serotonin and dopamine uh, go, wait, what's going on? What is my job? I don't know what I'm doing anymore. It's very confusing. So those, those are my big offenders right there. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting. I mean, we we don't have time to go into oral contraceptives today, but um, this was something that when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmunity of the thyroid, after years of like basically destroying my gut with every single thing that <laughs> that Kim just mentioned, um, I realized how much you know birth control was playing a role. So, well, maybe we'll do a part two on all these things. So this is really great. So we have stress, 
you know, slash chewing food. We have basically medications. We have um, alcohol, grains, gluten, glyphosate, environmental toxins like heavy metals and mycotoxins like mold and tainted water and also just like the plastics and things that we have going on in our system. Poor quality sleep and oral contraceptions are all in your short list of things that you make sure you cover with clients when they come in. Yes, ma'am. Amazing. That's that's really helpful. And I know we're we're actually pretty close to close. So what I would love to suggest is that you guys look at all these, like these 10 things that Kim just listed out and start there. If you're dealing with gut issues, you know, before you even hire somebody else or like do any testing, just see if removing these things, if it works with you and your doctor and all these things, man, try these out and see if that's going to work for you. Would you agree, Kim? Totally. Uh, I, I love having lists like this that people can go to and, and see, you know, if, um, if people want to come to my Patreon, I actually have these written down. It's a free post, so you don't have to pay. And it breaks down what type of gastrointestinal injury each one of these things does so that you can understand better why I want to avoid them. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah. And just like, it's completely free to remove these things from your life and see if it makes a difference. So why not try it? Absolutely. And that's actually a really good transition. As before we close, Kim, how can people get in touch with you? And how do you, um, yeah, how do people get in touch with you to work with you or to understand more, get more information? Uh, so I run a Patreon called Chronically Chill. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's uh, www.patreon.com backslash chronically chill. And I share free content for people there and I also have um, payment tiers so that if people want to work with me individually, get their gut testing looked at, um, discuss problems with me one-on-one -on -one in like a session, they can book that through there as well or they can just throw $5 in the pot and that allows me to keep doing some of the research for the free content that I do. Uh, and then uh, they can just send me an email. Uh, I, I use my, my personal email to chat with people about health problems all day long. That's Kimberly Ann K, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-A-N-N-K-A-Y-E at gmail.com. Please email me about your gut problems. I am literally sitting around waiting for somebody to ask me about the microbiome all day long. <laughs> That's perfect. Kim, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show and to jam out about this topic that we love so much. Thank you so much for coming on She Talks Health today. Thank you for making this resource available for women. We love you. Thanks so much. And actually, this is a great time to just uh, close and announce that I am no longer doing this live, but it doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. So actually, what we're doing is we're switching She Talks Health to a podcast. So if you next week, there will not be a live one at 11am. But you can still check it all out on Voice America. Um, and I'll be doing a lot more of these talks with experts around gut health, hormones and any other subject that you actually want to hear about. So don't forget to email me at Sophie at she NYC. Um, so that you can get your topic covered. This is absolutely my pleasure to talk about this stuff and to give you guys these resources. So thank you so much for tuning in live. If you were a live listener to the She Talks Health Show, and we are going to just keep it going for as long as we can on the podcast. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining us this week for She Talks Health. Please join Sophie Shepard again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another episode of our show on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.